This week on Excelsior Journeys, I am speaking with singer, songwriter, photographer, all around creative icon, Manny Cabo. Manny burst onto the scene on The Voice on NBC when all four chairs looked in his direction. Obviously, they were looking in the correct direction. And I know that after this, you're going to be looking in the same direction as well. And Manny has so much great material to share with you. He's got so many great stories. And if you are not inspired after listening to him, I don't know what to tell you. So JLD, do the honors. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire. And you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's what I taught myself how to draw was actually the little mermaid. Drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the corner. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening for over 100 episodes. Still can't believe how far we've gone. If you have heard how seasons two and three came around, I cannot wait for you to experience season four. I can't wait for me to experience season four. If you have been enjoying this, uh, please go. feel free to go ahead and share it. As always, the likes, the comments, the subscriptions, the clicking on the Buy Me Coffee link, all of that, always 100% appreciated. Now, um, it is such a thrill for me to be able to speak with someone who has not only exploded onto their scene of choice, but then use that exposure to work themselves into dealing with other passions. And it is such a thrill to be able to talk with someone who has gone that in that direction. Uh, since Manny Cabo exploded onto the scene by getting all four chairs on The Voice turned around to say, I want him, he has just been going nonstop. He has been a multi-award winning singer and songwriter. He has also be- gone into music photography. He has his own podcast. He has so much going on. He is always looking out for everyone around him, making sure that everyone is getting the same sort of opportunities that he had. It is such a thrill to have him here to talk about his own Excelsior journey. It is a thrill to introduce to you, Manny Cabo. Manny, how are you, sir? Good, man. Thanks for having me, brother. And thank you so much for being here. Now, this episode's going to live in September. So before we jump right in, are there things you have in the works that are, that are taking place around that time? Well, yeah, it's really hard to predict what's going to come to surface, obviously, with the remnants of the pandemic and everything. But I'm certainly anticipating more, certainly more photo shoots, a little bit of what my normalcy is. And that's just wishful thinking. But yeah, during the fall, I've got two potential tours coming up. So we're still waiting for the the final decision as to how that's going to unravel. Mm -hmm. But always hopeful, man. Always hopeful. Yeah. And before we jump into your whole story, tell us a little bit about the podcast. Well, the podcast actually was initiated. I don't know if, but I lost my dad to COVID back on December 1st of 2020. So, you know, 2020, aside from being a terrible year for all of us, specifically artists, losing someone that you love, losing your 
your your icon, your rock, and someone who introduced me to the entertainment industry. He was the one who put a camera in my hands for the first time. He was the one who introduced me to the drums, which inevitably led to me singing. So uh, essentially, he was my my creative impetus. So I, I established Mojo for Musicians as a podcast to continue his legacy, if you will. Nice. Just to continuously empower and inspire and educate my ecosystem of musicians because that's what he would have wanted. I can tell if he was here to be like, listen, I'm gone. There's nothing else for me to do. Utilize the skills that I introduce you to, to do good and do a good job out of it. Yeah. And I've been very, very fortunate with all the guests that I've been getting, man. Some top tier guests in the top 2% best music podcasts in the world. So. Wow. Evidently, I'm doing something right, but it's all about providing value, brother. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, I want to make sure that my show is successful because if it's successful, then I can get my message out there, which is just to inspire, man. That's it. And I've got some in incredible top tier industry guests to afford all the tips and techniques and essentially answer those questions that were so difficult to find, even for me getting into this industry. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what I'm trying to do, man. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm taking about two weeks off of the podcast because of the music releases and getting everything back into play again. Right. Uh, but can't wait to get back. And I'm on season three myself. So first of all, kudos to you, man. 100 episodes. <laughs> that's pretty epic. It's, so congratulations. It's, it's been wild. It's been, I, I still can't believe how far this has gone. And I'm still really excited that the show has has gotten some guests such as yourself this is this is exactly <laughs> what the show is all about the show is all about growing and the show has been growing along with it so well if um, i can contribute to your success man it, it's a humbling uh humbling offering and i'm glad to be here brother so let's shoot away and have some fun with this one Excellent. Excellent. So, so you kind of already answered what was, what was that first question? And what I always like to hear about is what I call the lightning bolt moment. And that's always <laughs> the moment in time when someone experiences something or hear something, see something, meet someone or whatever. And it forces them to just basically point in that direction and say, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to live. That's a person I want to be. So yeah. I want to like throw, like all, all want not something to do, but some, but something to be. And yeah. so that is what this is all about. Like, what is it that makes you want to go on that creative path? Now your creative path is it's huge. You have so many different venues. There's a lot of layers, bro. A There's lot a of layers. lot of layers. Yeah. It's, it's basically like everyone has their own creative path. It looks like you got a highway going like with several different lanes and yeah. it's all just going in one direction forward, which is fabulous. So, so what I'm curious about is like, what was it that got you on that creative path in the first place? Oh man, that's such a loaded question. And I have to really revert back to my childhood, man. I was always yeah. a crazy kid. And just to share, being fully transparent with you, like essentially uh, another reason why losing my dad hurts so much, he's the reason why I'm into this world. I'm I'm here because of him and not just for obvious reasons, obviously, mm -hmm. but I was technically an abortion brother. When the doctors oh. told my parents, don't, you can't have this kid. He's going to be born with complications. Back in the day, we didn't have such highly developed and scaled instrumentation in the medical industry. It was more mm -hmm. like, well, I think more postulations oriented where people made their decisions. So, and my dad said, no, absolutely not. We're having this kid. So essentially, bro. I'm an underdog since day one. So I've always yeah. had this, this impetus to, to drive through man and just yeah. keep it going aside from, from the toxic narratives and the bullying and all the nonsense that went on when I was growing up. And fortunately I grew up with a steady dose of music and that was my salvation. Well, not to sound pretentious, but 
being an artist, it was part of me since I was a kid. I was fascinated with movies, horror movies specifically. Mm -hmm. Nice. I was fascinated with magazines. My dad raised me, my both my parents actually, my mom used to sing all the time, and my dad raised me on a steady dose of the Beatles and Latin folk music and pop music, the sounds of Motown, classical from Beethoven to Vivaldi, you name it. So I had a very, very wide palette of music, and I'm so grateful for that because that has inevitably allowed me to become more of a diverse producer with my vocal production with my singing I'm able to sing multiple genres and and not because I'm great at, I'm the best singer at all because I have a passion for it and yeah. you cannot teach passion so you know, answering your question photography was the same way and and it started with filmmaking back mm -hmm. in the day we had this huge clunky cumbersome video cameras that were so so huge yeah. and so gigantic and you were like Arnold Schwarzenegger when you and were so loud too and so you know just oh my god putting the videotape it's just nonsense but back right. in the day that was high for us so I I was always I was always curious to see what well, what would this do if I did this if I created this how would that come out so I was very inquisitive with respect to artistry and filmmaking and photography it was always about that end result what yeah. can I create remember you know photography we had film back in the day we had developing so it's not like instant gratification we'd take the picture and be like all right let's hope this comes out in focus so did you, have a dark, certain, did you have a dark room at home? I did. I did. I, I had a tiny one, but then I created a an amazing dark room when I was at Seton Hall University at college. That's, that's fast forward years later with my dad who helped me organize yeah. it. But as you can see, he was always involved and being a creative was part of my DNA. I couldn't run away from it if I tried. And it's all I know and it's all I want to know. I, I was a terrible student. I hated school in, in mm -hmm. every capacity. I was more into baseball and that's the the reason why I was so inclined to do better with my grades, because you had terrible grades, you couldn't play. But baseball was my life prior to all that, which is interestingly enough. But mm -hmm. yeah, entertainment and, and looking at magazines, looking at photos and going to back in the day, we had Rondo Musics here on the East Coast. And I would just love going to music stores and checking out the instruments. So I don't know, it always appealed to me, brother. It was part of me. That's There's no yeah. other way for me to answer it. It was just a part of me. And I think my dad catapulted me into that uh, specific area in my life. Gotcha. And I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, which horror movie was was it that turned you on to the genre? The Exorcist, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. favorite movie. I can't. As far yeah. back as I can remember, because I grew up in the 70s. And for me, I'm sorry, man. I'm old school. Like, I think movies nowadays are overproduced. Mm -hmm. They just reach for the stars. They push a shark with everything. Where back in the day, movies were more wholesome. It was always about yeah. the storyline, like, like minimalistic approach. Even like Halloween, it was all about the music. It was a yep. simple film, but it was so engaging the yeah. way it was introduced to you. So that, that school of thought always stuck with me and the whole minimalistic approach to everything is something that is pretty relevant in everything that I do from music, photography, and uh, you name it, man. Yeah, and the way the way that movie was produced and the way it was you know put together, yeah. the fact that it was it was Friedkin coming aboard who only has the who has that documentary style mm, to him. Absolutely, and it's you my have movie. It's my favorite oh, movie. It's it's, fa it's fabulous. It's I would I would put that I would say like I got a lot of different fa favorites when it comes to like you know picking the different genres. Exorcist yeah. is number one in horror. Absolutely. That is it's it's apps it's fabulous and i oh, and what the whole series was great for me i just enjoy the whole trilogy except for that one but anyway let's not even get into that <laughs> about movies all day <laughs> yeah <laughs>
yeah. like anyone who appreciates Exorcist Three is is good with, is good with me. So yeah, I got I got a lot of love for that one. So so with all this, you've gotten like all of this creative energy in you throughout your years and everything. You're growing up, you're getting, you're, you're getting more and more experience doing what you do. What was it that led you to the voice? Because that's what really kind of put you on the map, right? Yeah, man. And that's, that's an actually easy one to answer. People would think, well, you want to do this because you want exposure. And sure, all those amenities, could they yeah. come in handy? Trust me, performing in front of 14 million people will only help you unless you bomb completely, right? Which evidently, yeah. you know, not to, not to be uh, uh, on the conceit side. I did great on that show. I saw it. Yeah, I saw your, your first performance. I saw Here I Go Again. And by the way, Freaking nailed that one! Like that was, uh, people, was, people don't was, realize the amount. I was of thrilled. Stuff. I was thrilled to see that because, like, I mean, I'm a big like '80s music junkie anyway. Right, so right. anyone who wants to bring out the '80s rock and just blow some dust off of "Here I Go Again," like, and and old school had already done that. Like, but at the same time, it was it's always great to see. Like, and great to hear too, because and like you was it was yeah that was awesome. So and then just seeing each one of the judges was turning around and saying like, yeah, I want you. So what was it like getting, like, take us through that moment. Cause I mean, you're, you're on the stage, you're in the zone and everything, you're feeling it. You're obviously hitting all the notes. And then all of a sudden Adam turns around. Yeah. What was, what was that experience like? Like, did, did you have like a moment where you like almost had to stop or something or did you just keep on going? No, not at all, man. But let me rewind a little bit. I'm, I just want to address your first question with respect yeah. to uh, getting on the show and what was my decision and my desire and my impetus, if you will, to get on the show, which was pretty simple, man. Prior to that, it, it was it was a career full of nothing but hardships and, and, and inconsistencies and incongruencies and debating defensive postures with egos. And because let's face it, when you're, you're in a band, Okay, mm -hmm. you're marrying three or four other guys, and sometimes it's it's not the most fruitful venture. If what I mean, yeah. And I was pretty egotistical, but not in the sense that most people would think ego, which is my way or the highway. No, I had a specific way I wanted to do things, but it was all for the collective gain, and I wanted to be who I was because growing up, as I alluded to before, I, I was verbally bullied. People thought I was crazy, always banging pencils on desks and painting my nails and, and long hair back in the day when I had hair. Yeah. So there were a couple of things that I guess I developed this chip on my shoulder. But since my career as a musician or as an artist was full of tries and tribulations i said what the hell with this we even cover bands because at that time that particular time i was in a cover band which were we were always nudging at each other always arguing differences in opinions i'm like the hell with this i'm going to do something for me yeah, i didn't yeah. know if i wanted to go on the voice because i had tried out for uh, american idol and x factor i did well i did i passed through the the first initial stages but then through that those journeys i witnessed things that i wasn't crazy about they weren't in alignment with my way of being as an artist, yeah. if you will. And then the voice came around and a friend of mine, one of my best friends at the time, he's like, Manny, bro, I think you should try this. I really think, I think the voice is a totally different vibe that you would do exceptionally well in. And yeah. obviously the rest is history, but I went in there with that mentality of, oh, here we go. It's going to be another one of those shows because we all know there's nothing yeah. real about reality TV. There's so many right. fabrications that go on. And I get it. I was prepared for that. Mm -hmm. But when I first initially spoke to the producers, it was pretty funny because when they asked me, like, what do you like about these shows and why do you want to be on this show? I'm like, I don't 
particularly like these shows. Quite frankly, I can't stand them. And the only reason why I'm here is more of like, okay, this is my last resort. Plus, I got a guy in here who'll kick my ass if I don't go through with this because I'm wasting his time. On a Wednesday night, it's like 30 below zero in New York City. I was the last one there. So I, I was in between a rock and a hard place at the time. I wasn't really going to consummate the meeting. I was like... I told Mike I might not even do this. He's like, no, you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I went into the show, and then obviously, again, everything went well. It was a, a very entertaining, to say the least. I was um, greeted with open arms. Mm-hmm. They welcomed who I was, the individual Manny Cabo. I didn't have to fabricate anything. And, of course, I was graced with so many other incredible talents across the U.S., across the world, actually. Uh, even my battle buddy, Keith, who was originally from Ireland, who resides in Chicago, and we've done multiple shows since then. We've had a great time, man. It was an incredible journey, and it afforded me an experience. But not only for my voice. Here, Here's the cool thing. It wasn't just about my voice for singing, which you would think, okay, well, he's an entertainer. This is what he's here for. Yeah. But what I realized on the show was the most important factor, and that was it gave me purpose. It gave me the voice to to be the voice for other people that didn't have one. It gave me the voice to inspire, to educate, to empower people. In this case, it was my fellow participants and their parents. I found myself in hotels room talking to 30 kids about meditating and living in the moment and forgetting about being nervous and focus on the actual journey. Yeah. And it was such a gratifying experience that it led to doors opening in other facets like public speaking speaking at schools and here i am today fast forward 2021 i've got my podcast i've been on tons i mean this is my what my 30th podcast as a guest over the past month and a half so it helped me develop a somewhat of a curriculum for manny cabo what i want to talk about and that is my journeys to help others get over those hurdles and answer those questions. And if I don't know the answer to it, then we're going to learn together. So it was a pretty, pretty gratifying experience altogether, man. Nice, nice. I remember Christopher Reeve was saying when when he was auditioning for Superman, he said that the reason, the big reason why that he says that he got that role, he, he believes, was because he didn't, place all of it on his shoulders and he didn't like basically just say this is going to make me or break me this is this is this is going to he went in with a very kind of like just a very good good attitude obviously toward it obviously he wanted to get the role but he didn't play he didn't put all of his all of his anxieties and everything on his performance because he said like when you do that that's when you choke so that's just it and i'm glad you mentioned that not to interject prematurely but the point is most people including myself because i was a culprit most people are worried and concerned about the end result where is this going to take where is the finances am i going to get paid am i going to become famous am i going to become consistently wealthy and so on and so forth so that's the ego talking Mm-hmm. The problem is we as artists, we're very emotional creatures. When things don't work out that way, we kind of fall apart. So mm-hmm. my advice is for anyone listening who has gone through this, just do it because you love it. Yeah. Do it because it's, it's, again, it's part of your DNA and you don't mm-hmm. know anything else. And when you focus on the task at hand and living in the moment and really enjoying the entire journey, because in the entertainment industry, nothing happens overnight. It, it is. It's a marathon, not yeah. a sprint. So when you stop focusing on the end result and focus on living in the moment and embracing the experience, mm-hmm. amazing things happen. 
but yeah. people don't give it a chance. And I completely resonate with what uh, Christopher Reeves was saying at that point, because it's true. If you walk into there going, oh my God, there's 70,000 contestants I'm competing with. I've got to compete with 70 and then it narrows down to one. Am I going to make it? Am I going to forget stuff? Dude, you just completely destroy the whole process of the thing. Just have mm -hmm. fun. We need yeah. to have more fun in life with everything that we engage in. You see my yeah. point? And that's, oh, absolutely. I wanted, to mention that. I wanted to mention that. And also, I mean, one one of the things that one of the things that came to mind as soon as you as soon as you said it, how everyone is always looking at what is their what's their eventual goal, what is their long term goal in mm. all of this. It's almost like they're basically saying, "What is my end game?" And too many people need to realize that Avengers Endgame was the 22nd movie in a very long process. And yeah. you only get that sort of culmination and everything if you go through all 21 movies. Of course. Beforehand. So of course. you it is all about the journey. It is all about getting there because if you just focus on the end game, you miss so much along the way it, it's and, a tra the trajectory man you really got to pay attention in, and not just the i hate to call them failures i i, I call them test trials because mm. they're part of the process you have to screw up and i encourage everybody dude screw up as much as you can do it now because the more you screw up or to use the, the consensus the more you fail the more of those questions you're going to get answered because you're going to realize what doesn't work and you'll yeah. do the opposite, right? It's common sense, but people take these these moments of quote unquote failures to heart. And mm -hmm. what happens is it obstructs them from that, that vision, from that drive. You can't do that to yourselves, especially as artists. You're not screwing up. It's like, think about asking Thomas Edison and telling him, bro, Tommy, you screwed <laughs> up a thousand times with this whole light bulb thing. And he'll tell you, no, I didn't. I just came up with a thousand ways of how to not create a light bulb until I figured it out. <laughs> It, it's yeah. it's funny, right? But it's so true. We sabotage our careers before they even begin because we we had a couple little mishaps or we mm -hmm. had a couple little obstacles early on. Dude, you better welcome as many of those obstacles as possible because those are the obstacles that will give you the clarity that you need to get to that next step. Yeah. And, and in the age of constant content, you always have to have something going out. Anything yeah. that's listed as a failure, that's a loss leader. That's what that is, because mm -hmm. like that's if so, that's something that you can always just kind of give away for free and just saying, yeah. like, look at this as a as an extra little bonus for, you know, <laughs> allow people kind of behind the scenes a little bit just because right. they chose to support you. You all of a right. sudden you have another product there and that you can just say, hey, look at this. Like, how bad was this? Yeah. You know, it's like you're not selling it. But at the yeah. same time, it's it's a little it's an extra product that you can just kind of get out there, just throw out there with no no caution to the wind there. <laughs> And there's so many, so many directors and artists will tell you, oh my God, my first project was in shambles. It was garbage. Right. So you're not alone, man. You're not alone. If anything, it takes that type of mentality to, to come up with movies like The Endgame. You think their first projects in college were that epic? Hell no, not even right. close. They probably forgot <laughs> to turn on the camera half the time. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. I think we need to, to stop taking ourselves so damn seriously. And again, and just enjoy the process, man, and welcome those hardships. You really have have yeah. to yeah absolutely so take us so again like take us back to that moment you're on stage you've gotten you've gone through the different barriers all of a sudden there you are you're on stage cameras are on you and you got a you got a live audience that's completely dialed into everything you're doing and then all of a sudden bang there's that buzzer there's adam turning around saying i yeah. want you what was that moment like 
See, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you because I was so into the performance. When I do something, I fully immerse myself. I couldn't tell that the judges were even turned around when I got to the finale because if you notice, the lights were so glaring yeah. that they blocked my line of sight and they were, they were off to the side a little bit. So again, I was there for the experience. I wasn't there this is a perfect example, by the way. I wasn't there to look at the judges and who turned around because when you are worried, okay, and, and this is this is a piece of advice that I can give all of your listeners, especially if you're a performer. And I yeah. learned this the hard way. When you're on stage, whether it's public speaking, whether it's performing, whether it's poetry, spoken word, I don't care what it is. If you're worried about your performance, about forgetting lyrics, about tripping, whatever the case may be, which by the way, I was, <laughs> but um, then you're coming from a place of ego and that's not, that's not a good thing to, to look into prior to you performing. Yeah. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of, wow, what can I offer this audience? How can I put smiles on their faces? Then yeah. you're coming from a place of service, right? You see the mm. difference? And yeah. you don't focus on the nonsense. You kill the noise. You kill the doubt, right? Because now you're excited. Right. So I went to, into that performance thinking, what? I want to show the world and ignite the world, especially my generation, and inspire them and let them know that it's never too late. Not even at 45 where I'm competing with 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds for the right. same position. It wasn't about the competition. The only competition that we all have in life is our procrastination, our <laughs> habits, our laziness. Yeah, you know, our, our, our work ethics, that's our competition. I mm -hmm. love having people better than me in any capacity because it inspires me. And the adage, if you're, in, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. And I've always, always conceded to that. I love learning and I've become a sponge. And that day, yeah. I became a sponge to all the knowledge that I was given by the coaches, by the choreographers. And I said, I'm giving the world a performance and I'm not gonna worry about myself. I want them to feel the energy that I felt while I was on stage. And that's the standpoint that I came from. And that's why it was a magnificent experience because yeah. I immersed myself in the actual moment of it. And I wasn't worried about what happened at the end. And it's, and it's basically like when that happens, it's almost like it's its own reward. Right. When right. you, when the music's it's done, you've yeah. accomplished what you wanted to do. You hit those notes. You didn't right. joke and everything. You felt good. You had fun. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the, the smoke clears and there are four judges staring you in the face. Well, here's the thing. At that point, I did all the due diligence. It's my yeah. time to enjoy this. I needed to enjoy myself. All yeah. the work was done prior to that. That's why yeah. preparation is my number one and key. That's my signature when I tell everybody yeah. what helps you get through the fears, whatever it is. I don't care what capacity, what sector of life, prepare. And then prepare, and then when you're done preparing, prepare a little bit more. The more you prepare, the less fear, right? It mm -hmm. goes into the actual production of whatever it is that you're creating. And yeah, the results were amazing because when I was done, I'm like, oh my God, I got four yeah. chairs. But I left it all on the stage, man. Whether it was four chairs or no chairs, I left it all on the stage. And that's all that mattered to me. It just Absolutely. worked in my favor. Yeah, yeah. And you picked Adam, correct? Yep, I picked Adam. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that best resonated with what he was saying. Sometimes you think back in hindsight, 20, 2020, but Blake Blake had a lot to say and he sold me on that. But I guess Adam put the nail in the coffin when he said, you reminded me of a place where I came from. And I'm like, dude, I feel it. And he's a rocker. So that, that was the moment where I figured I'd lean more toward the Levine side. Nice, nice. What was it like working with him? 
Well, it's not like we're boys and hung out all the time. It's funny, but everyone thinks that when you're on the show, you're hanging out with these coaches and you're talking to them. Hey, Adam, do me a favor. We're going out at seven. You want to chill? I wasn't like that. It was it was more for TV, which is expected, of course. But every moment that I spent with them was time well spent. We had heartfelt dialogue and very knowledgeable, very talented SOB man. He, I mean, in- incredibly talented, for obvious reasons. He was getting behind the kid, was playing guitar, he was singing. He's just one of those individuals where it's it's no reason why he's Adam Levine and huge and, and, and an iconic star because his work ethic has surely gotten to where he uh, where he is today, you know. And he's and he's having fun. Like you can just yeah. see, like the, like whenever he's on stage, whenever when he's sure. on there. I mean, just like standing up and air guitaring with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> that's, that's 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 a good time. Yeah. He he's definitely was definitely. He definitely showed that he wanted you on on that on that team, and that was that was great. So humbling to be to be recognized as one of the how many seasons now? Seventeen, eighteen season. I still get emails from people on my social media. You'd have one of the most iconic performances we've ever seen on The Voice, and I think back, I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, you don't realize how impactful it was, and I I watch it all the time, and I saw myself, and I I knew I was in the zone that day. So it, it's just really humbling to be put in that company of of epic performance man so that that's a cool part of it and it changed my life let's be realistic it did change my life and it opened the doors the floodgates to so many other opportunities in different sectors of the entertainment industry you know yeah let's talk about that because what um because what what i love is that you're not just you're not just focusing on the singing because there are so many people that would just be like would just focus on that because those are the doors that open but you're but you're, you've basically kind of blown those doors off because you're you're indulging in all of your creative facets, like all of your all of your yeah. skills. You're using it all, and it's something that that too many people really, you know, they they need to they need to learn how to do that themselves. Don't just pigeonhole yourself into into one thing. I've 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 said it myself, like for when it comes to the things that really drive me, it's like yes, I'm a podcaster, but I'm also an author also an audiobook narrator, also a voice actor. And it all comes down to being a storyteller. And it's just the different venues that I'm choosing. Those are the four that I'm using in order to get to where I want to go. And so when it comes to that, what was it like being able to use those sudden opportunities to bring in the photography, bring in the songwriting, bring bring in all, all of that stuff? What was it like uh, to do. I, I this it just complements one another. Every single mm-hmm. thing that I do, I kind of bridge the gap with everything. And to be honest with you, my photography and and the podcast, the public performances, they were just a byproduct of me. It allowed me to circumvent and cross pollinate what I was about in those other fields. Mm-hmm. It, it just catapulted because I was able to bridge the gap with my photography, and I isolated it to just musicians. Now I've yeah. got over 150. EP singles, album releases credited to my name because mm-hmm. I can speak to a musician from both sides of the spectrum, from a visual branding side, from a musical side. And that's just fruitful to all levels. And then public speaking, I love using my voice to to spread my word out there, words of encouragement. So it just set the stage, pardon the pun, for success in other areas. And I'm looking to delve deeper into the, I've got a book, that I that I've written a whole 365 page entry type of journal 
Awesome. So I'm looking to find ways to best uh, sell that, create it, put it out there because there's a lot to offer. It's chock full of nuts of all my experiences while I was on La Voz, which I did in Spanish. Or per perhaps I'll pick your brain with that stuff and yeah, getting, yeah. Back, getting back into the voiceovers. And uh, so, ah, man, it's just a fun ride, man. I'm just enjoying the ride and, and noticing the doors are opening because when you're well-rounded and you take everything seriously and you have a positive message. And for me, it's always about collective gain. I like to mm -hmm. see everyone win in all of my projects. And who doesn't want to hire somebody with that type of mentality? When above that, I just enjoy what I do. I'm not going to lie. I can't do anything else. I, I don't want to work for anybody else. I don't, I never go back to the corporate world. Right, it gave right. me all the experiences. I learned tons from it, but I'm, I'm an artist at the end of the day. This is what I do. Yep. I know, I know, exactly, I know exactly what you mean. Oh man. And so with that in mind, like you've gotten, you've gotten this, this sort of, you gotten this exposure, you've gotten the success and yeah. then, then the podcast. Now tell us about like how the podcast came about. Well, yeah, as I referred to earlier, it was uh, it was an idea that came up to me. I've always wanted to do a podcast. And the funny thing is, I've been doing podcasts since, oh my God, even before the iPhone, the first iPhone came out because I worked for Apple for close to eight years. I would teach people how to do podcasts when nobody knew what the hell a podcast was. Yeah, so yeah. I have been doing this since its inception. And it's so funny to think that here it was fast forward like 15 years later that I finally have my own podcast. It just wasn't the right time. But I figured that there was so much in my experiences at an artist, as an artist that I needed to get that material out into the world. And with yeah, the passing yeah. of my dad, I mentioned him in every single episode as my homage, paying tribute to him. And it's just a way of showing my appreciation to him to continue his legacy of all the work and all the uh, the ethics and the inspiration that he instilled in me back into my listeners. So that's the drive behind my podcast and I've been so so blessed with the talent that have that have been on my show from Forbes Riley to Travis Chappelle, I mean, like the Gary Vee of podcasting. My god, Rick Barker, Taylor Swift manager, some iconic people, multiple like I've got Malik Youssef who I'm working on a song with, We're working with Kanye. He's got seven how many I, I lost count of how many Grammys he's got, but these are the people that I'm getting on my show to help mm -hmm. inspire my ecosystem of musicians. So it has definitely flourished into this beautiful project. Now I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm enjoying the ride as I've, as I've said, you know, throughout this entire interview. And I, I love the podcast. I love the message behind it. And I'm looking forward to as many seasons as I possibly can. That's awesome. And you definitely already have my subscription. Uh, for, <laughs> Thanks, for man. And, and oh, you're on, the one. You're on the one. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, by the way. On Apple Podcasts. That's where I'm, that's where I'm subscribing. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, don't remember, don't forget to review and rate it. Say there's someone who wants to go in your direct in the on on the creative path that you have basically blazed for people, whether it is photography, whether it's singing, whether it's whether it's filmmaking, whatever, like whatever the case, it's all about kind of getting into that creative life. Yeah. What would you say is the first step that they need to take in order to get on that path? Well, the first step, man, it's an easy one. You better make sure that you love what you do. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's filmmaking. I don't care if it's photography. I don't care if it's singing. If I shook you at three o'clock in the morning and said, what do you want to do with your life? You better know and you better know the answer to that.
When you give me that answer, that's what you do. Mm -hmm. The second step is do all the due diligence, do the work, you know, master your craft. I would not recommend to do anything past those first two. If you master those two, you're on your way already. And then from there, because people will pay for mastery. Do what the hell you're talking about. Do you have integrity? Mm -hmm. Because any opportunity that's presented your way is based upon your knowledge and credibility. Yeah. Okay, there's this there's this cool acronym that Dominique Murphy, who's a three-time Emmy award-winning TV personality who was on my show, right? Visibility, right, mm-hmm. equals credibility, equals mm-hmm. profitability. Think of those three and put those three together. And it's mm-hmm. such an amazing and simple formula, but you'd be surprised how many people don't do it. So yeah, do yeah. what you love, master your craft, and get yourself out there. Build your brand. Mm-hmm. But build it on integrity. Just don't build it because of the money. Because the money will inevitably come your way once you master your craft. That's all I can tell you. And all my crafts, as much as I know, I haven't mastered them. But I tell you what, I have a passion for it. And I'm learning every single day. And I take the time out of my day to acquire the latest trends, the latest technological advances, whatever it is, I take the time to learn that. And believe me, sometimes I don't have the time in one day, but you have to compartmentalize your days in order to to make that happen. So you got to do the work behind the scenes before you even attempt to present your product to the world, period. There's no way around that stuff. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, being, being a child of the eighties, if if someone woke me up and said, what do you want to do with your life? I would channel my inner D Snyder and yell, I want to be Han Solo. I want to be Han Solo. No, (laughs) (laughs) I want to be the intergalactic wise guy. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Intergalactic wise guy. What's that from hardware wars? I think. (laughs) Yes. Remember that on HBO. See, you're one of the few that know that. Oh yeah, yeah. I the, this I I watched I watched uh, HBO when it was called Hey Beastmasters on. Yeah, it's hilarious. Or they had the same movie playing like a thousand times in a row. Oh yeah, <laughs> the little tiny tiny paperback TV guides of three movies. Oh, it's fabulous. Those that, that was such a good time. Yeah, <laughs> what it really really was. I, I have to concur, man. Yeah. 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 So so where can our listeners find you on social media? Absolutely. Listen, I made it foolproof. Just go to Mm mannycabo.com. Everything and anything that has to do with my world from podcasting to photography to touring performances, new music, new videos can be found on there. All of my social media handles are on there and it's pretty simple. The Manny Cabo across all of my platforms. And by all means, keep streaming my music. Over 100,000 streams on my last three releases in two and a half months. It's it's incredible. The new video for Worst Bad Decision is being played all over the world. And I just found out it's been, what, in the top 20 most requested songs on independent radio. Over 4,500 stations globally are playing it. And I just did a collaboration with a good friend of mine from Drumageddon killer people in this we're talking grammy award-winning musicians that have performed with beyonce kanye west the whole nine yards it's called give me one second yeah that's fine sorry about that um it's got over two million streams on all platforms we're talking video plays audio plays so yeah we're we're really really excited the song's called get tough take a listen to it. it's pretty fun but the last three crazy worst bad decision the last one they're all doing amazing well because of the support of all of my listeners so thank you for all of you listening out there i'd love to get your listeners on board i welcome all manny packs <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. If guys, yeah. if you are if you are not inspired after listening to Manny just to get up and create for yourself, 
I don't know what to tell you because like it's it's uh, it's early on a Sunday morning here. I'm ready to get back to my computer and get writing on this on this latest book. And yeah, by all means, just I hope you have all taken in everything that Manny has been saying. There are no failures. All you have to do is just take what you've learned, dust yourself off, stand up and say, here I go again, and go ahead and, and tackle those loves, tackle those passions. We are only here for a set amount of time. So make the absolute most of it. So for Manny Cabo, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, have fun and ever upward. And I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.